Uh, the reading today is John 4:43 through to 54, and it's on page 1008-1008. And it's entitled, Jesus Heals the Official's Son. After the two days he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that prophets have no honor in their own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, but they had also been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time at which his son got better, They said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Steve. Let's welcome Ian Randall this morning to address us. Um, Most of you uh, know Ian. Ian was one of the ministers here um, a few years back. Um, And if you don't know Ian, you're about to meet him. Um, So, Ian, thank you. And let's pray together as Ian speaks to us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ within it. We thank you for the revelation of your plan and purpose for humanity. And Father, we pray that you would help us to see afresh these words of Scripture. Help us to see something new that we haven't seen before, that reveals something more of who you are and who you are to us. So speak powerfully for Ian this morning, Father, that we might hear from your heart and that our lives may be transformed in this place. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks very much, Matthew. And uh, it's really great to be here to see a lot of people that Dennis and I know and uh, love very much, and of course there's uh, several new people who were not here in the time that we were here. So we've got uh, the topic uh, for this morning, Does God Heal? And it's part of a series, and I've been catching up a bit on Listen Again uh, to see how the flow of things have been going over the last few weeks, and that's been really good. And there's a very short answer, in my view, to the question, does God heal, which is yes. 
But I guess you want a little bit more than than that. Uh, Or do you? Maybe that's enough. Uh, And as I've thought about that over some recent months, I've thought about the fact that each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, has something different to say in the first mention that they have of Jesus' healing. And it's great to think about those four Gospels because they give us different pictures of Jesus. So we can perhaps have a favorite Gospel, but we actually need them all, and that's why the four authors wrote. They don't write exactly the same thing at all. There's some overlap, but there's many things that are different. So I thought, what is this first business? When the first time that one of the gospel writers speaks about healing? Because first things can be quite significant. The first day at school, I remember going when I was five years old, living in the far north of Scotland, walking two miles to school at the age of five. So you kind of remember those firsts. And then I remember uh, the first time that I spoke like this to a group of people. I was in my first year at university, and it was a youth group, and I was asked to speak for 10 minutes. And although at that time I wasn't studying theology, I got really into some heavy theology. Karl Barth, if some of you know his multi-volume things, and all this was spinning around in my head. And I thought, this is my chance. You know, I've got 10 minutes to tell them everything that I've discovered. Well, of course, it was a complete disaster. Uh, And uh, I learned a little bit from that, that you just say something, you don't try and say everything. So hopefully, uh, I've learned something from that first experience. So, uh, So Matthew, what does he say if we look at his gospel? In chapter 4, he actually talks about, and we'll uh, go here, Uh, he talks about a lot of stuff going on. Jesus healing, and then we know that Jesus encouraged his disciples, his followers, also to go and heal, to pray for people. And this is what Matthew highlights in chapter 4. He says, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing diseases and sicknesses among the people. So it was right there. It was central to what Jesus was doing, was healing. And the news spread Something is happening. It's interesting, the news, says Matthew, spread all over Syria. We don't often make those connections, do we, with uh, places that are very much in the news today, but that's where Jesus was and where people were needing healing and still need healing today, don't they? So it was public and to some extent newsworthy. There was a variety of illnesses. And so, what I want to do, not only to go back to the Gospels, uh, but to give just three examples of current experiences of people. So, since we were here, and since I retired uh, two years ago, uh, we've been members of Histon Baptist Church, and I just thought, I'll ask some people in our church about their experience of healing, and what they can say. So the first of these um, is really an example of this kind of public healing that uh, I found from one of the ladies in our church. And it was a Pentecost praise service that was held, and you can possibly see where it was, the Grafton Center. 
uh, in Cambridge, and it was this year. And uh, this lady who told me the story, she was baptized in Histon Baptist Church two or three years ago, uh, but she's been struggling with uh, some health issues, particularly back problems and sciatica. So she went along to this meeting and she said, a friend said at the end when they invited people, would you like prayer? Why don't you go and ask for prayer? And she said to me as she told the story, I don't like being the focus of attention. I don't like to be at the front. And she said, what if it didn't work? Uh, and uh, she had issues, but then she just thought, well, I'll ask for prayer. And she did. And some people from Histon Baptist Church prayed with her. And she said, I wanted it to work for their sake as much as anything else because they were so full of faith. Uh, and she said, I, I did feel different. I felt lifted up. Uh, she said, my friend said, I seemed taller. And actually, this is quite a short lady. And uh, she said, a week or so later, I was spending time in my garden. And I realized I had worked for four hours in the garden. She said, I could never have done that before because of the back pain. And she said, that's now some months ago, but she said, I realize that I have to go back to God about things that happen, whether they're physical or sometimes stress at work, she said, uh, and to let God be part of everything. And so that really ties in with the first of your series, Shalom, God there in, in our minds, in our bodies. And uh, for this lady, she said, sometimes I'm still feeling pain after stressful situations, but I'm lifting it to God, and it's made a difference, that prayer that was made and offered in that service in the Grafton Center. So that's something from Matthew. Jesus was going out there. And this is another thing Alistair Coles, when he gave the first of these talks, said, it's stuff to be done outside, not just in the church. And I uh, am part of the team that Alistair contributes something special to in chaplaincy at Addenbrooke's. I'm part-time working there still. And uh, that is what we're doing. We're out there praying with people, not in church. And I've prayed probably now with thousands of people in the hospital over the last few years. And uh, we have these opportunities. People are often very open. Now in Mark, it's quite a different scene in chapter 1. It's a domestic scene. It's not uh, a public place. And uh, it's the home of Peter and Andrew, as we already heard from Jane, stealing my thunder there, she wasn't she? Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the home setting, and they're there together, the disciples. I imagine the disciples as pretty young guys. They were, that's what they were. And uh, they were traveling around, it was all a bit scary at times. So getting back to a home, and getting back to something familiar, and we all know uh, that Peter's wife's mum is a fantastic cook. So we're going to have a great time. Uh, but she's ill. Oh, dear. Uh, so a bit of disappointment there. And uh, I'm no doubt they were very concerned about her. But in the gastronomical area, uh, there was uh, a bit of a letdown. Mark is very uh, brief, in, usually in what he says. So he describes this in a few words, Jesus went to mum, took her hand, 
helped her up, the fever left her, and what happened after that? She began to cook. Very important. So now, no other gospel writer has this incident. And we might ask, why? Well, I think there's a reason, because it's pretty well accepted that Mark got a lot of his information from Peter. So he wasn't there, Mark, but he heard about this, and Peter no doubt told the story many, many times about what happened. Uh, It was just so amazing. And Peter would have said, my wife and I, we talk about it, and we realize Jesus is there in the home. So, is Jesus in our homes? Is Jesus there with our children, with the older people that we're concerned about? And how much are we praying in our homes? I, I, I think for, for Janice and I, when the girls were, were growing up, you know, it kind of pretty well motivates you to a lot of prayer uh, for them, uh, for their friendships, for their schooling, for all kinds of things that are going on in their lives. So I really commend, you might have children, you might not have children, but you've got people in your families, haven't you? You've got people to pray for. And let's make Jesus the center of our homes. So here's a, an example. Um, oh, I forgot to give you uh, mum getting up and, uh, uh, and getting on with the job. So here's an example uh, of um, this domestic kind of situation from another person in in Histon Baptist Church that I spoke to. And she said this to me, uh, that it started, she said, about 15 years ago when she discovered uh, that she was pregnant. And the first scan, three months, was fine. And then the second scan at 20 weeks. And uh, they looked at how the baby was developing and they discovered uh, that there was a form of spina bifida. So she says, I was told, the advice was given that most people in my position uh, choose to terminate. She says, I didn't know what to think or feel. I literally had the choice of life or death for my baby. I sat in the bath that night with these thoughts rushing around my head and I was crying. And at that moment... She says, the baby started kicking like mad and a strange sense of peace washed over me. I took this, she said, as a sign. And a group of women in the church came once a week to pray uh, and to lay hands, she said, on the bump. And she said, I felt complete peace and knew in my heart that God was there. Now, James, I've changed his name, but uh, he had to go through a lot. He went through 12 procedures in all, in and out of hospital, between the age of three and seven. And this is important for us. It's the weaving together of the medical care and those prayers that were made. They're not separate. And an operation at the age of seven, James was seven. He knew what was going on. And he said, I don't want to have another operation. I don't think I need another operation. And he's never had another operation. I know him. He's a very healthy teenager, 15, and he wants to be a doctor. So there's uh, an example of something that is very much to do with a family and with people around and praying for uh, a child. So we come to Luke, uh, the third uh, gospel. And Luke, of course, the doctor, as well as the historian, 
which I also like. Uh, and in chapter 4, we've got the healing uh, that Luke introduces us to. And the occasion is what's sometimes called uh, the Nazareth Manifesto, because Jesus was in the synagogue and was reading out from the scroll, as you can see. Reading out from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then the bombshell from Jesus. Today the scripture is fulfilled. The Spirit is here, is upon me. Now, but, isn't this Joseph's son? We knew him when he was a boy. We know the family. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What's all this about? And Jesus says, you can read it in Luke chapter 4, Surely you will say to me, Doctor or physician, heal yourself. And I, I imagine this appealed to Luke. Probably when he was ill, some people had said to him, Doctor, heal yourself. But Jesus is not so much speaking about himself as a doctor. What he's saying is, you haven't really realized what I'm here for. And particularly, you're just thinking about yourselves. Do the healings here. Because by this time, Jesus had traveled around and people knew that he was healing. And they were there wanting something for themselves. Do it for me. Do it for us here. We're your own people. Prove it. Prove to us who you are. And what does Jesus do in response as Luke records it? He points back to an Old Testament healing. And Luke's always interested in people outside of the community borders. And this is what Jesus says. There's an example in the Old Testament of someone who was healed. Of course, there's more than one, but this is the one I want to tell you about. It's the healing of a leper. Naaman is his name. And he was a Syrian. He was from Syria. He wasn't part of the people of Israel at all. That's the one who was healed by the prophet. Not one of us, not me, but somebody else from far away. That didn't go down well in Nazareth. They were interested in themselves. So what about healing? It's not always about me. Maybe I've got something that will not be physically healed. But what might that do for somebody else? That's what Jesus is saying. Don't just think always what's going to happen to me. And this is my third experience from somebody in, a, in Histon Baptist Church. And the parents of Simon told me this story, and uh, I know this story as well from personal experience. When Simon was born, he was eight weeks early, and he turned out to have severe cerebral palsy and spastic quadriplegia. And mum and dad said, we'd always known that Simon's life expectancy because of this was limited. Of course, he was prayed for. But we were told, at the very most, he'll last to six years of age, possibly just two years. But God had plans for Simon. And I knew Simon. I knew him in church. I knew him in the hospital. Simon's faith was amazing. 
He could hardly say any words, and he could hardly move. But wherever he went, and people would say this who weren't Christians, he brought joy. Simon was an amazing person. He was baptized in the church at his Thanksgiving service, because he died a year ago. Uh, At his Thanksgiving service, many people spoke, and our minister said, Simon was the only person in our church who at the end of a sermon shouted out, more! (laughs) He didn't have many words, but that was one of the words that he had. And mum and dad uh, said to me, we knew a year ago that Simon's time had come. He had blessed many people. He was never healed physically. But now, they said, we know he has a new body in heaven. He is whole. He is free. But his spirit is still the same, a loving and wonderfully joyful spirit. I feel a bit emotional talking about it. So healing didn't come for Simon, but healing came through Simon in many different ways of blessing to other people. So that's what Luke says. Don't just think about yourselves. Think about that Syrian and how you might see God at work in that other person's life. And finally, John. And uh, John in chapter 4, as we've read, as Steve read to us, uh, recounts Jesus visiting Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. And there's an incident here with a royal official, an important person, whose son was ill, and the official heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee, and went to him, and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. I find it interesting. Here's an important person, but Jesus doesn't bow and scrape to this important person. He doesn't say, yes, sir. If you want me to come, I'll come right away, sir. No. In fact, he's quite off-putting. He said, Unless you see signs and wonders, you'll never believe, will you? And the official just persisted. He said, sir, come before my child dies. Jesus doesn't go. He says, you go and your son will live. I wonder how often the official had had that kind of response from somebody saying, I'm not going to do what you want, but God's going to do something. You're under God's care. And the servants meet the official with the news that his boy is indeed living. And the man and his whole household believe in Jesus. So as we conclude, I think that for me, what comes out of this last passage, as the fever leaves the man, uh, leaves the the boy and uh, the family rejoice, is actually Jesus never went. Jesus never laid hands on that boy. He wasn't physically there. And sometimes in the healing ministry, we think it's about us. We need to do something in a certain way. We need to pray a certain prayer. We need to advise people in a certain way. And sometimes it can be quite releasing to say, it's God who does this. Whatever we may feel about our own inadequacy, Uh, let's just leave these situations with God. Of course he uses us. We need to be open. But nevertheless, ultimately, this is his work. 
And as we think about these firsts, the first in Matthew, the first in Mark, the first in Luke, the first in John, what's a first for you or for us? Maybe the first time to ask somebody to pray for you and with you. Because that can be quite something to ask. Or maybe a first to be a person who gets alongside and who prays. Or maybe some kind of first in your family. Or first in your workplace. Something that is going to change you and change the situation. So, does God heal? Yes? Yeah. And in many different ways and through all of us if we're open to His Spirit. And I know that that's what you want here in Camborne Church. And I pray that God would continue to lead you in the future.